All right, come on in the room. Come on in the room. I hope you guys are ready for tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. It is a privilege and an honor for me to serve you week after week after week. And listen, the aircraft has finally landed on the tarmac, and we are taxing to our gates. The Tribe Me series, this is the finale. This is it. This is part 30. <laughs> part 30, that's that Jesus number. Part 30 of the Tribe Me series, and it is coming to an end. But I believe this word is going to just like make all of the messages come together. So if you would, go ahead and get your screenshot. Tag us. Let us know where you are in the world. Invite somebody. Let them know that the message is now live and we are about to be blessed by the word. But before we get started, there's this declaration I want everybody to say. You can either say it like just looking at the screen and say it, or you could drop the comment in the room. But I want everybody to say this with me. Can I get everybody to say, what God is about to do is going to blow my mind. What God is about to do is going to be bigger than what I expected, but it requires my nevertheless. Yes, yes. I need you to know that, memorize that. What God is about to do is going to blow my mind. What God is about to do is going to be bigger than I expected, but it requires my nevertheless. As you can tell, I'm excited and I'm ready to get to work. Thursday, we're starting a brand new series, World War Me. And I hope you guys are ready for that because you are drafted in this war, whether you chose to sign up or not. <laughs> World War Me. So let's get to work. Luke chapter 5. Um, it's a familiar passage of scripture, but I'm going to take it a different route. Luke chapter 5, we're going to launch our reading at verse 1. It says, so it was as the multitude pressed about him, speaking of Jesus, to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon. And asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all nights and have caught nothing. He's basically saying, Lord, I'm a fisherman. This is what we do. You're a rabbi. Teaching is what you do. But they ain't biting tonight. <laughs> Nevertheless, that's that word. Somebody dropped the comment. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come help, to come and help them and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. What a catch is that? Our verse of importance, our clause of concern is the halfway mark of verse 3. Then he got into one of the boats. God, we are a high anticipation. We just want to honor you for being awesome. Thank you for allowing us to come together and dissect your word so that we could grow. 
Search the deep crevices of our heart, O God, and change us in the areas that we need to be changed. And let this be the day when we look back on the files of our life, we can say it was this day that changed happened. And as usual, my typical request, O God, make me your spokesman. Allow me to be the PA system of heaven. Allow me to be your oracle to touch the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop the comment in the room? Amen. Amen. Then he, speaking of Jesus, stepped in to one of the boats. As we're ending this, this particular sermon series, church family, I just feel it's necessary to speak around this thought from this subject for the time that we have together on tonight. I need some space. <laughs> I need some space. I believe one of the most confusing and sometimes one of the most hurtful statements that one could hear, especially when they love you, is when somebody hits you with the statement, I need some space. I need some space. Has anybody ever delivered that statement to somebody? Listen, I just need some space. You're doing too much. I need some space. Or has anybody ever told you, I need some space? I need some space. Now, please understand, sometimes when somebody asks for space, they're not saying this because you're toxic. They're not saying this because you're smothering. Sometimes people ask for space because you're causing, to th you're causing for them to step up to another level of maturity that they don't want to step up to. And what's crazy, some people rather change partners than change themselves. <laughs> they rather change partners than change themselves. Let me tell you a little secret. Let me help somebody who may be struggling with low self-esteem or insecurity. Wrong people will really have you out here thinking that you're asking for too much. Wrong people will really have you out here thinking that you're asking for too much, but the truth is they don't have much to offer. I'm going to say that again because that should just help somebody. Somebody should just start shouting because that was your deliverance right there. Maybe we are talking to the wrong people or the wrong corporation. Because wrong people really have you out here thinking that you're asking for too much, but truth is they can't offer much. I just firmly believe what God has for you will not be toxic. What God has for you will not be toxic. And some of us don't even recognize that we've hit God with that line. We've told God, hey, I need some space. I need some space, Lord. Look, I'm tired of being convicted, okay? I need some space. You're coming too much. I'm tired of being convicted. I'm tired of you keep on pushing me towards spiritual maturity. Give me a moment. Why can't I be petty like they're being petty? Why do I have to live at another level of maturity? I guess it's because sometimes we forget due to what God is calling for you to be, you have to be an example. And you're like, God, listen, I need a moment. If they can be petty, I should be able to be petty too. Give me some space, Lord, because you keep on pushing me towards spiritual maturity and I'm tired of it. Give me some space. I'm talking about I need space from that inward tension. Y'all ever had that? That inward tension, that, that gnawing in your soul, that static that agitates your whole being and your mindset when you know that you shouldn't, want, you shouldn't be engaging in something, but you want to do it anyway. That's that inward tension. I'm talking about that inward tension that starts in your soul once you got that text at 930 on Saturday night that said you're still coming through. Immediately, this tug of war. Am I going to listen to the flesh? Am I going to listen to the spirit? Am I going to do my thing? Or am I going to do the Lord's thing? Am I going to do my will? Or am I going to do God's will? That tension, 
That tension, that static, or that tension when you have made your mind up, I'm going to live a life of purity, and they're taking you home, and on the way home, he puts his leg on your, he puts his hand on your leg. And not just him, because ladies do it too, she put her hand on your leg. She's not looking for her seatbelt. <laughs> She's not looking for her seatbelt. Her seatbelt is on. Women do it too, and immediately that tug of war begins to happen in your soul. What are you going to do right now? Are you going to keep your standard, or are you going to compromise? Are you going to keep your light on high, or are you going to be dim? That tension, that tension in your soul. Have y'all ever asked, like, prayed the prayer of forgiveness before y'all do something? <laughs> Don't judge me. I'm being transparent. There were times in college, I'd be like, God, I know I shouldn't go to the club, but let me get back home safely. <laughs> Let me get back home safely. If they start shooting, don't let no bullets hit me. Y'all ever done that? Don't judge me. Please don't leave me out here by myself. You're like, God, I know I'm not supposed to be here, but please let me get home. <laughs> please let me get home without anything happening to me. That tension, that tension on the inside of us, and really a lot of us don't even recognize because we haven't been taught how to discern the voice of God. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. We learned this throughout this Try Me series. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Indwelling in Hebrew means bowels. It's that gut, that gut feeling. That's like, that's where the Holy Spirit resides. That gut feeling when you know that you shouldn't do something, maybe you shouldn't do this or maybe you should. That's that gut feeling. That's not gas, that's the Holy Spirit. That tension in your soul. Just telling you, I don't know if I should do this. I was mad. I was upset. November of 2019, my parents, my pastors, they told my wife and I, hey, you know what? I think you guys should do a Thursday service. And I'm like, no, I think it would be better to do like a Sunday morning service. That's what most people do. Like that's a traditional thing to do. Let's do a Sunday morning. My wife is on board. My parents on board. My sister's on board. They're like, no, I think Thursday will work. And I'm like, no, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. And so I began to get on Google. You know how we do when we don't believe stuff. I began to look on Google how many churches have things going on on a Thursday night. And I proved myself this is my confirmation. Hardly any churches have anything going on on Thursday night. Churches' services are Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If they have a service, it might be on Wednesday. Nobody really does Bible study anymore. So why are we going to do Thursday? Sidebar. Sometimes the reason we can't find an example is because you're supposed to be the example. See, a lot of us, you know why you're so upset? Because you expect for somebody to put you on. But let me tell you what Jerry has learned. God only gives you favor with people who matter. I'm trying to help you. So if they don't see how awesome your idea is, they don't want to endorse your ministry, they must not matter to your destiny. Because whoever matters, God is going to give you favor with them. If there is somebody that is needed in your life to help usher you to a platform, to help usher you into a room, to help usher you into a place, God is going to give you favor with them. So you can stop running behind people saying, hey, look at what I created. Hey, look at my video. Hey, listen to this song I made. Hey, check out this book. I wrote, if they can't endorse you and they don't see how awesome you are, they must not matter to your destiny. And so many of us are frustrated because you want somebody to put you on, but God's saying, ain't nobody going to put you on because nobody's going to get the credit but me. I put you on. You're looking for a pathway, but God's calling you to be a blueprint. I'm upset. I said, it's not going to work. It's not going to work, God. I, 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 don't, I don't see how 
This is going to be something that you could use. And you know, I'm not one to be deep. And I'm not one to always say God told me, but I'm standing in the fruit of this. God told me. I'm sitting there vacuuming over in the pew, upset, venting myself. This ain't going to work. I'm just upset. It's not going to work. God told me two words. Try me. Try me. Try me. You thought this was just a creative sermon title? No. This is something God told me back in November of 2019. I'm frustrated, I'm upset, and God is saying, try me. You don't believe anybody will come? Try me. You don't believe anybody will watch the live stream? Try me. You don't believe that I've anointed you for a time such as this? Try me. You don't believe I put a word in your belly that could reach your generation, former generations, and generations to come? Try me. Try me. And I wonder how many of us, just like me, in that moment, we keep belittling our two fish and our five loaves. And God was revealing to me a methodology. Listen, you can never live in the more than enough until you give me your not enough. God is saying, give it to me. Your pain, give it to me. Your doubt, give it to me. Your insecurities, give it to me. He was revealing to me. He said, Jerry, you have more trust in your doubts than you do your faith. You know what I want you to do? Start doubting your doubts. Start doubting your doubts. That's what the whole Try Me series has been about. You tried weed, why not try God? You've tried alcoholism, why not try God? You've tried cheap sex, why not try God? You tried getting drunk, getting faded, and turning up, why not turning down and listening to the Holy Spirit and turning up for the kingdom? Try me. My light stays on. My light stays on. I'm constantly trying to get people to understand, if you try me, I'm going to blow your mind. But you got to trust me. What God was really saying was, Jerry, I need some space. I need some space. Not in the way culture means it. Not in the way, stop talking to me, get away from me. No, I need space in your life. I need for you to allow me to step in because you're never going to experience the catch if you don't allow me to have space in your boat. I need some space. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God is saying, I need some space in your life. You know why you're so miserable and single? Because you haven't given me space. You know why your marriage is on life support? Because you haven't given me space. There's no room for me. There's no room for me. You call the shots. You do what you want to do. You don't consider me. You like people without praying first. You take deals without praying first. And just because you have a piece about it, you make the erroneous assumption that I have a piece about it too. No, I need you to give me some space. You know why your finances are so tight for a lot of us? Because you don't give me space in your decision making. About to get in trouble. There's no space in your decision making. Because God is saying, look, I want you to be a lender to the borrower. And I want you to leave an inheritance for your children's children. That's not Jerry. That's Bible. <laughs> I want you to leave an inheritance for your children, not debt. All right. I feel it's getting quiet all through the retina display. I feel it. He's like, listen, um, I need space and your finances. So that's going to mean I got to have space in your decision making. We don't need all these TVs. We don't need all these TVs. I need space in your decision making. We don't need to keep eating out like this. You would be surprised how much money you have if you stop eating out like this. Yeah, let me have space and let me call some shots. You don't need all these subscriptions, Apple Music, uh, Netflix, and Hulu. You don't need all this. I'm not saying nothing's wrong with entertaining yourself. Sometimes, but that shouldn't be your main consumption. 
Allow me to have space. I need some space in your decision making. I need space in your relationships. Some people walking around like, man, I don't understand. How is it I'm so picky, but I just keep on picking the wrong one. And God's probably like, that's the problem. You picking and not me. (laughs) Seek my direction before your selection because I'm the author and finisher of your faith. This means I can see what you can't see. You see to the hill, I see over the hill. You see to the corner, I see around the corner. I can see who's conducive for your chapter 10 while you're right now in chapter 5. And sometimes God removes them now so he doesn't have to remove the knife from your back later. I need some space. Somebody say space. I need some space. I need some space. You got to understand this about God. God did not give Noah an ark. He gave him a blueprint. He did not give Noah an ark. He gave him a blueprint. And you know why so many of us are frustrated? Because we expect our answered prayer to come in ark form. But God doesn't answer your prayers by giving you an ark. He answers your prayers by giving you trees. Did y'all hear what I just said? And so you're frustrated, saying, I don't know why I should keep doing this. God is not answering my prayer. Could it be you're expecting an ark, but God is giving you trees? Listen, listen. God blesses us in seed form, not crop maturity. If I didn't need my towel, I would throw it. God blesses us in seed form, not in crop maturity. And some way and somehow, we have this drive-through mentality when it comes to God. He's saying, I need space. I need space for you to trust me. I need space for you to know that I'm going to see it through. I need space. (laughs) I need space. I would like to suggest to us that the most popular part of our foundational narrative that most preachers preach is verses 6 and 7 because it will flat out preach. Where the text tells us they caught such a great number of fish that their nets begin to break And their boats begin to sink. So one could abstract from this biblical narrative, we serve a God who can feel it. Yeah, we serve a God who can feel it. If your heart is broken, he can feel it. If your marriage lost its love and you need to love again, God can feel it because he's a God who can feel it. And I have to understand that God doesn't just give me some gas for my journey. He fills the tank all the way up. He doesn't just provide me with some funds for my dream, but he provides me with enough funds to not just fund my dream, but also fund the dreams of others. Because whenever God favors a person, he doesn't favor that person for that person. He favors that person for a people. Did y'all hear what I just said? When God favors a person, it is never about that person. When God favors a person, it's about a people. We spoke about this all throughout the Try Me series. When God blesses you, it's so that you can lengthen your table, not so that you can heighten your fence. When God blesses me, it's for me to bless you. When God blesses you, it's for you to bless them. And we see this reality in the life of Simon. Simon caught such an abundant amount of fish that he had to signal for his partners to come help him. See, this is why you have to be able to celebrate when other people celebrate. Y'all going to make me get happy up in here. You got to be able to celebrate when other people celebrate. See, when you learn that I have to roll with people who have made space for Jesus to step in their boat. See, this is the danger about being connected to disconnected people. You'll always experience a shortage. I got to hang with connected people. 
Simon had Jesus in his boat, and I'm connected to Simon. So no, it's not my season, but it'll end up feeling like my season because I'm connected to people who are in season, and this is what you got to understand. I might be in a different boat, but we all going to eat from the same catch because I'm rolling with people who are favored because favor never traffics in a solo. It always traffics in a duet. It's about harmony, and I could preach that. And I'm pretty sure it will warrant some hallelujahs, some amens, some bro, you better preach, some running man emoji. But that's not what I want you to notice. What I want you to see is this particular text, halfway mark of verse 3. Then he got into one of the boats. And he stepped in to Simon's boat. He allowed space for Jesus to step in. Are y'all ready to work? The Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's letter was written primarily to the Jews because the Jews needed irrefutable evidence to be convinced. They needed proof to be convinced that Jesus truly was the Messiah. Which is why this particular gospel, this particular book of the Bible, this particular gospel has the most Old Testament references along with historical review mirrors. It also has the most fulfillments of prophecy. It keeps referencing things like the virgin shall be with child and she will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Matthew chapter 1 verses 22 through 23. But it was originally declared in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Or we can consider Matthew chapter 27 verse 10 where Jeremiah lets us know that 30 pieces of silver are going to be the set price that's going to be used to betray the Messiah. The particular book of the Bible, the gospel of Matthew is my favorite gospel. And in Matthew chapter 6 verse 26, Jesus says this amazing passage. He says, look to the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, but yet your heavenly father provides for them are you not much more valuable than they it, it's almost like God is saying the same way I placed a rainbow in the sky as a covenant sign not a logo for a movement or a group some of y'all missed that I placed this logo in the sky of a rainbow not for a group or community or a logo but as a covenant sign that I will never flood the earth again just like I've created that logo this, this rainbow, not a logo in the sky, I put birds in the sky. So every single time that worry tries to grab your heart, find a bird. <laughs> you start doubting, you start feeling insecure, look up and find a bird. Find one. They could be in the grass, they could be on top of your car, they could be on a basket. Find one. And I want you to consider that they neither sow nor reap. nor gather in bars, but I take care of them. How much more am I going to take care of you? But if we be honest, can we be real? How many of us have forgot about the birds because of our empty nets? Because we have toiled all night and have nothing to show for it. If the birds are supposed to be evidence that you're Jehovah Jireh, I forgot about it. You're up here delivering a sermon talking about I need some space, but I need God to answer my prayer. Because I've been out here all night toiling, I've been out here all night fishing, and I keep coming up with seaweed, I keep coming up with algae, dirt, and mud. I need God to answer my prayer. I'm not looking to a bird. I'm not looking to a bird. I need him to come through. My muscles are aching. 
My mind is racing due to the bills, due to the layoff. What am I supposed to do? What about my empty nets? What about the deductible? What about the medical bills? What about the fact that I got laid off? What about COVID? What about this pandemic? What about my marriage? What about my singleness? But I'm too old. But I'm too young. But the approaching first of the month. But I don't know what I'm going to do with rent. But I don't know what I'm going to do with my child. I don't know which school to put him in for virtual learning. What am I supposed to do? Oh, how discouraging empty nets could be. How discouraging empty nets could be. And I want to challenge your perspective. Whichever one you look to the most is going to affect your heart posture. And I think it's all of these by nows that mess us up. I should be further down the line by now. I thought 2020 would have done this by now. I thought they would have had a vaccine by now. I thought it would have got better by now. I thought he would have changed by now. I thought she would have changed by now. And be careful because the by nows are the permission slips which allows the enemy to turn up the volume of his voice. Quit. <laughs> Quit. You praying all hard, ain't nothing happening. Quit. Why are you watching this sermon? Log off. He's sweating too hard anyway. Quit. <laughs> Why are you sticking to prayer in the morning? I don't see any change. You've been toiling all night in prayer. But where's the fruit? You haven't caught nothing in your net. Quit. Quit. Whichever one you look to to the most is going to determine your heart's posture. Which one are you looking at the most? The empty nets or the birds of the air that neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, but yet... Your heavenly father provides for them. Let me challenge your perspective. Could it be the reason nothing is working is because God is working on the answer? You know, I'm a perspective preacher. I don't do the glass half full, glass half empty. I'm like, somebody's dying of dehydration. You got water, drink it. <laughs> I'm a perspective preacher. Could it be the reason God is not talking to you is because he's talking to the answer? What if I told you that your yes is tied to breaking somebody else's chain? That book that you're so insecure about writing, God is working on you to answer his plea because somebody else is going to read that and get free from something. I'm going to give you Bible just to corroborate my claim. The children of Israel were in bondage and they were crying out to God for a deliverer. In bondage 400 years saying, God, we're tired of making bricks without straw. God goes over to Moses. Hey, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. God, we're so tired of all this suffering. Hey, I need you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. God, this is so painful. We keep getting whipped every day. Don't worry about your speech impediment, man. I need you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. God, when are you going to send us a deliverer? We thought you were Yahweh. We thought you were Adonai. Moses, listen, I need you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Are you procrastinating and somebody's waiting on your yes? You're giving God all these excuses. The book ain't going to work. Ain't nobody going to listen to my song. Ain't nobody going to listen to my business idea. Who going to subscribe to my YouTube channel? And God is saying, your yes is tied to somebody else's deliverance. Maybe the reason God is not speaking to you about what you pray for is because he's speaking to your answer. He's speaking to your answer. And why you're so frustrated... Because you don't recognize why things haven't happened. God is working things out ahead of you while you're in chapter 7. God's already finished with your story and he's just making sure the stuff's in place. So when you get to chapter 8, you could just walk on in the room. Because he's in our tomorrow today. See, 
The way God wires us is he dresses us for the future while we're in the present. It's almost like this one time, right? I was going to the airport back when, you know, things were normal, what we call normal. I was going to the airport. It was November once again. I had a speaking engagement in New York. So back then, it was like 91 degrees in Houston. Like we're talking two weeks out before Thanksgiving. 91 degrees in Houston, but in New York, it was like 26 degrees. So I put on my jacket, and I put on my scarf, and I put on my pants, and I put on my boots. And uh, my wife's like, you're going to sweat? <laughs> Why are you dressing like that? And I said, I'm, I'm not dressed for where I am. Y'all missed it. I'm not dressed for where I am. I'm dressed for where I'm going. See, people always make fun of your outfit when they're content on being where they're at. I'm not dressed for where I am. I'm dressed for where I'm going. So I might look stupid to you right now because I'm not dressed based on this atmosphere, but I'm dressed on the atmosphere I'm going to. But you know what happened when I got to the airport? I saw a whole lot of people who had coats on, who had scarves on. Why? Because now I'm in the atmosphere of people who are going places. I'm in an atmosphere where people who are going somewhere, sometimes if your circle keep criticizing you because of your outfit, it must be because they have classically conditioned themselves to adopt and adapt to the atmosphere they're at. And the reason God keeps dressing you for the next is because you're not staying here. I don't know who that's for, but that helped me. Stop worrying about that you don't match the culture, that you're not fitting in with society, that you're abnormal, that you're doing things differently. God has called for you to be the blueprint. I haven't called you to be, I haven't called you to be like everybody else. I have not called you to be typical, average, mundane, or average, but I've called you to set forth an example. I'm making you my billboard. So you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to live, live a lifestyle that's awkward to other people. But here's the question. Are you willing to embrace the temporary discomfort to maximize this kingdom lifestyle God is saying I need some space and maybe the reason you're so upset is because you're looking at the empty nets and not the birds of the air Simon is probably frustrated he's frustrated I can just imagine it's humid he's washing his nets seagulls flying all around him flying all around him. He didn't catch nothing. He's getting mud off the nets. And then all of a sudden, here comes this crowd. This crowd all loud. And Jesus comes along and he steps off in Simon's boat. Doesn't ask for permission. Let me mess you up. Has Jesus ever stepped in your business? See, I understand that we can shout and that there's so many messages talking about he's the God. They'll make a way out of no way. But I want to ask you this question, church family. What do you do when he becomes the God that stands in your way? Yeah, in the way of that relationship, in the way of that opportunity that you were pursuing, in the way of that business deal that you thought was him, but it was really you. What do you do when God gets in your way? He's <laughs> washing his nets. Mind his business, and Jesus just steps off in Simon's boat. Watch this. He's not looking for Simon's ability. He's looking for Simon's availability. I need you to make space. It's not even about you right now, bro. I know you're upset because you ain't catch no fish. I know you're tired because you've been toiling all night long. It's not about you. I need space because there are people who need to hear me. And we talked about this in the Try Me series, that what Jesus was really looking for was a stage. 
He was looking for a stage. Let me challenge your heart. Do you want marriage for the purpose of it being a stage? Uh Uh-oh. Do you want God to bless you for the purpose of it being a stage? Do you want this entrepreneurial pursuit to have implications of wealth because you're looking for God to make you a stage? You're not looking to get a bigger house. You're looking on what can I do for the kingdom? Are you really desiring it for a stage? Now, here's the problem, church family. So many of us, we cannot be the stage. We forfeit being the stage because we're so caught up being like the crowd. We're so caught up being like the crowd, but in this moment, Jesus is saying, I need some space because I need a stage. I need some space in your mind because I need a stage. I know you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but I just need you to give me space. And this is the crazy thing. What God really wants to do is totally take over. But he's saying, look, if you just give me the space the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and tell it to move, and it will move. And I'm like, my God, if he could do that with mustard seed faith, what can he do when you have gigantic faith? What can he do when you have colossal faith? What can he do when you have massive faith? What can he do when you have football field-sized faith? God doesn't just want space. He wants everything. But until then, try me. Try me. Oh, taste and see that I'm good. Try my way. Aren't you tired of the cheap sex? Try me. Aren't you tired of getting intoxicated? Try me. Aren't you tired of waking up and not knowing what happened last night? Try me. Aren't you tired of the hangovers? Try me. Because you're searching for a peace that's only going to happen in me. It's not in the man. It's not in the job. It's not in your career. It's not in notoriety. It's not in your status. It's in me. You tried everything. Why not try me? So Simon is sitting there. It had to be awkward, y'all, because he don't even know who Jesus is yet. (laughs) It has to be awkward. He just sits down. Just imagine. Jesus got comfortable. Got in the boat, sat down, and began to speak to the people. I know Simon was probably sitting there. Everybody looking. He's probably like, okay, this is kind of weird I don't this dude just stepped in my boat he's saying some powerful stuff though that's pretty good that's that's good and I want you to see what 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 Jesus does look at this look at this um verse four it says when he had stopped speaking he said to Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch hold up wait a minute Simon didn't catch anything last night Okay, he's minding his business. Jesus just steps in his boat. Simon doesn't even recognize he is a part of launching Jesus' revolutionary ministry. He has no idea that saying yes to Jesus first is positioning him for what he was trying to catch last night. Y'all are missing it. This is showing me the first principle. He's saying, okay, you ain't catching nothing last night. That's cool, bro. That's cool. All right. I need you to push back from shore. I need to speak to the people. And once Jesus is done, he turns around and says, okay, now um, I'm going to help you catch what you were trying to catch without me. There was a reason you couldn't catch it. It's because I needed you to be in position for me. So let's go ahead and go out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now look at this. Verse 5, it says, but Simon answered to him and said, uh, master... Uh, we toiled all night. I'm a fisherman, Lord. They ain't biting tonight. They ain't hungry. I don't know what's going on. They ain't biting tonight. You a rabbi? I'm a businessman who fishes. It ain't happening. Nevertheless, at your word, 
I will let down the nets. See, so many of us want the blessed life. So many of us want to live in abundance. So many of us want to have spiritual maturity. But I want you to understand this. Spiritual maturity doesn't happen by accident because you don't catch health. You catch sickness. It takes intentionality. You're not going to spiritually evolve on accident. It's going to take intentionality, it's going to take discipline, and it's going to take repetition. And we want to arrive at this place where I have kingdom benefits, and I'm experiencing miracles, and the power of God, and I'm living a blessed life, but you're not giving God your nevertheless. He's saying, listen, I need your nevertheless. It doesn't make sense, give me your nevertheless. It hurts, give me your nevertheless. You don't understand it, give me your nevertheless. You confused, give me your nevertheless. It doesn't look good, give me your nevertheless. I don't understand it, God, give me your nevertheless. It hurts, God, give me your nevertheless. I don't want to let them go give me your nevertheless this is all I've known give me your nevertheless because your nevertheless is gonna allow you to catch what you've been trying to catch and I don't know who I'm preaching to but God is saying I need your nevertheless before this message started you said that listen God's about to blow my mind God's about to do something bigger than what I expected and the whole try me series we've been in this thing for five months since March we've been talking about try me God has said I need your nevertheless and I need you to try me I need you to try me I need you to try me I'm gonna give you the peace that you're looking for I'm gonna give you the joy that you're looking for I'm gonna give you the state of fulfillment that you're looking for I'm gonna give you identity I'm gonna help you heal from that pain but you gotta give me your nevertheless you keep giving me your excuses and I'm not looking for your excuses. I'm looking for your surrender. I'm looking for your surrender. Nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless worshiper, nevertheless obedience, nevertheless praiser. I don't understand it, but nevertheless, I'm going to trust you. And he caught such a large number of fish that his nets were about to break and his boats were about to sink. And so you may be watching this message and you said, okay, but what about the night before? What about the night before? Why did he do all that and catch nothing? I'm glad you asked. Uh, before um, I go to this one part, I want you to consider something. Th there's a difference between worry versus concern. Okay? There's a difference between worry versus concern. Truthfully, a lot of us don't even recognize worry is really fear playing dress up. Yep. Worry is really fear playing dress up, and it exposes the lack of trust in God in this area. What if I told you that all worry is is a down payment on a problem you may never have? <laughs> all worry is is a down payment on a problem you may never have. Let me go a little deeper. You know what worry is saying? God, I don't trust you in this area. I, I don't trust you in this area. In this area, I'm not going to give you space. I'm going to have my hands on the wheel, and I'm going to try to control it. And I'm going to have a down payment on a problem I may never have. Worry is really fear playing dress up. Concern is when something disturbs me, but it doesn't rob me. Yeah, things that are happening in the world, yeah, they concern me. And they could disturb me, but it's not a robber. It's not robbing me of my sleep. It's not robbing me of my joy. It doesn't mean I'm not affected by it and it doesn't concern me. But worry, if you could worry, you could meditate. If you could worry about it, you could pray about it. God is saying, I want you to give me peace. I want you to give me space so that I can give you peace. And you're not so caught up worrying about stuff that you can't control. Because you're making a down payment on a problem you'll never have. Things may concern you, but I got you. See, when you, when you understand this principle, you really understand the God factor. You know what the God factor is? When everything around you says no, but heaven says yes. 
The God factor. They're not hiring, but for some reason when they saw you, they'll create a position for you. The God factor. I'm talking about the God factor when they're a little small stuff. Nobody else, there's all these seats are filled on this flight, but somewhere and somehow they call your name to come on and get on the flight because somebody didn't show up. I'm talking about the God factor. And so many of us were looking at how things look and we're creating our feelings based off what we see. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And we learned this throughout the Try Me series. The opposite of faith is not fear. It's sight. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. And God is saying, maybe you're so worried because you're going off what you see. Why didn't he catch anything last night? And what was the point of all the toiling? Point number one, it was on purpose. It was on purpose. Check this out. It had to be on purpose because I need Simon to be in position. I need Simon to be in position because I'm going to need you in the morning to be a stage. And so nothing's going to work right now. No fish are going to get in your net right now. You're going to catch nothing but rocks and algae because of what I need you to do in the morning. What if I told you it was on purpose? You're so caught up thinking like, I don't understand why all this is happening. It's on purpose. Jesus is coming in the morning. And I need you in the morning. And I need your boat. And I need to step in. And I need for you to create space. So nothing's going to happen tonight. Not a minnow. Not a tadpole not even a frog you're not gonna catch nothing but you're gonna toil but it's all on purpose so that you'll be in position because if you caught the fish last night you wouldn't be in position for me in the morning if you caught the fish last night you wouldn't give me praise and bow down and say master i'm a sinful man depart from me and then jesus will tell you listen that ain't nothing i'm gonna now make you a fisher of men you will never be in that predicament if he allows you to catch fish last night so sometimes you have empty nets because of what god's gonna do next It was on purpose. They didn't break up with you. Some of us are so, if I would have did this, if I would have did that, listen, God is saying many times that wasn't you and that wasn't them. It was me. I got better. I got better. Somebody say it was on purpose. Point number two, it's an answered prayer in disguise. It's an answered prayer in disguise, and I'm recognizing this so much. Standing here right now. November, almost a year later, November of 2019, I was vacuuming right there, doubting it, questioning it, saying, God, this is not going to work. And here I'm standing before you, almost 800,000 views later. 800,000, I'm like, almost a million. (laughs) And God is saying, this is just a small fraction of what happens when you try me. Doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts. Somebody needs to put that in the room. Doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts. Stop believing the lies. Doubt your doubts. Stop believing the worry. Doubt your doubts. Stop believing it looks so bad. Doubt your doubts. Because you have something called the God factor. And it's promotion in disguise. I got all discouraged then when we started the service. And I was like, man, how COVID going to pop off? As soon as we start the service, COVID going to pop off. People finally hearing about it. And COVID popped off. And I'm upset again. I'm been to God. See, I told you. I told you we shouldn't have Thursday service. I told you we shouldn't have did it. And then God had to check me and said, don't you even understand? This is not about you. This is not about you. It's a terrible situation that's going on. 
And I have people right now who are looking to me more than they've ever looked to me before and looking for real preachers. They're looking for people who are really hungry for the word of God. They're tired of pimps and pulpits. They're tired of the hype. They're tired of all the false histrionics. They want real doctrine. They want the word of God. And I've anointed you for a time just like this. You're so caught up in you. It's not even about you, boy. <laughs> it's not even about you. It's about people. Isn't it crazy that the church claims, that constantly keeps claiming we care about souls, but then they don't care about people's situations? <laughs> I care about souls, but you don't care about my situation. It's promotion in disguise. David had no idea that the day he was handing his brother some pizza, that that was his promotion in disguise. The fight with Goliath was his promotion. It announced to the whole world that there is a giant slayer. And I'm standing right here in the fruit of God saying, try me. Saying sometimes when we don't understand, God is saying it's really promotion in disguise. You didn't catch it because of what I need you to do in the morning. Somebody say promotion. Number three, it's an introduction. Simon didn't really know who Jesus was. Didn't really know who Jesus was. And his first introduction to who Jesus was, was him blessing his business. <laughs> was allowing him to catch such a great number of fish. Maybe the reason some of us are going through things that we're going through is God wants to introduce himself. Or for others of us, he wants to reintroduce himself because you learned me wrong. You learned me wrong. All that stuff that your bishop said, that was false. That's not how I am. All that stuff at the former generation, hellfire and brimstone, that's not me. Some of us honestly view God like we view ourselves. And the reason you keep giving up on God is because you would have gave up on you by now. But God's not like you. And you're like, man, how could God put up with somebody like me? That's because you can hardly put up with yourself. <laughs> but God is not like you. He's merciful. He's tender. He's kind. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's a redeemer. He's a savior. He's a keeper. He's a covenant keeper. He's a promise keeper. God is not like man. Some of us need a reintroduction. And maybe that's one. One of the things that could happen in the midst of this pandemic is you get to see another version of God that you never knew before. But if you would have caught fish last night, you never would have had this introduction. Last point. Spaces create stages. Spaces create stages. What if I told you, if you create the space in your life, the space in your marriage, the space in your finances, the space with your prayer life. Devote the morning to me. Let that be your first fruit. Give me your morning. Prayer changes the course of events. You don't know what you just altered by seeking me first that day. And if I be honest, when I don't pray in the morning, I'm more moody. I'm more irritable. I, look, when I pray, somebody cuts me off. I just kind of keep nodding, listening to my music. You cut me off when I haven't prayed, some words start to come up. And I'm like, Lord, where did that come from? That's something they just did. All this is flesh. <laughs> All this is flesh. Yeah, your, your soul is saved, but your mind constantly being renewed. Constantly being renewed. He's saying, listen, I need you to understand, if you create space for me, your life can be a stage. You don't have to know. You don't have to have all the answers. It don't have to make sense. Y'all told me at the beginning of this message, God just wants you nevertheless. Nevertheless, I don't know how this is going to happen. I think the hardest thing about this pandemic, 
the hardest thing about 2020 is just this unknown factor. Are we opening? Are we closing? Are we hiring? Are we letting people go? Are we doing in school? Are we doing virtual? It's, It's this unknown. And it troubles people who are control freaks because you're constantly trying to hold on to the steering wheel. And God is saying, you don't have no control. You don't have no control. And and this is an opportunity for you to make space in your life for me. So now that you've created that space, it could become my stage. And when you allow God to use your life as a stage, you don't have to have all the answers. I believe once you have an experience like Simon, when you didn't catch any fish, but then Jesus steps in your boat, the next time Simon didn't catch any fish, he probably not even tripping. He probably like, yo, Jesus, (laughs) left side, right side, what we going to do? Just let me know because they ain't biting tonight. He didn't have that outlook until Jesus stepped in his boat. Sometimes God lets you experience lack, so when he comes through, the next time you experience lack, you don't experience worry. Because I could reflect the last time I caught nothing, he came through and had me have an abundant catch. I want to change your perspective. I want to change your perspective. Your heart posture is tied to which one you're looking at. Are you looking at the empty nets? Are you looking to the birds of the air? They need to sow, nor reap, nor gather in barns, but yet your heavenly Father provides for them. How much more valuable are you than they? But the only way you can experience this peace, you gotta give them space. God has said, I need space in your life. Ma'am, sir, I need space. You've been trying to do everything in your own strength, and that's not working. You're so tired and you're so frustrated because I don't have any say in your life. Stop calling me Lord, and you don't listen to what I say. I need you to surrender. I need you to tap out. Wave your white flag. Surrender. And we've been in this since March because God is trying to convince you. Try me. So, God, we thank you. We thank you. Here's a crazy prayer. We thank you for not letting us catch anything last night. Because we wouldn't be in position to receive you in the morning. And God, we're praying, allow our hearts to become hearts that have made space for you until we have recognized that just surrendering our life to you is better than trying to hold on to the will of uncertainty. God, you know all things. You control all things. We're lost without you. We're hurt without you. And God, right now we repent, not just remorse, but we repent. We say, God, we surrender. We tried everything else cheap sex to bars to marijuana to position notoriety but there's only one thing that satisfies we all have a hole on the inside of our hearts and we constantly try to fill it with corruptible things but you are the masterpiece and I'll have peace once I surrender to the master help us try you instead of trying everything else in Jesus name we pray